Welcome to another edition of the Untoxicated Podcast. Thanks for listening. Sherry, this is our holiday edition of the Untoxicated Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Good. Um, The holidays bring up a whole range of emotions and stresses, and it's supposed to be a festive time, and I think largely it is, but for people, and this has nothing to do with alcoholism or recovery, Despite everyone's best intentions, it's really stressful, sometimes depressing. The holidays can be hard. And then when you put on top of that, either alcoholism or recovery from alcoholism, it just makes it exponentially more difficult. And that's what we want to talk about today. So Sherry, why don't we start with you? Why don't you talk a little bit about what what are the holidays like for you, either Either now, this is our third sober Christmas that we're going through right now, or or you can talk about back when I was drinking and what that was like, whatever, whatever comes to top of mind. What do the holidays mean to you? Well, I think, you know, you've said, you know, they're stressful and sometimes they're not always happy and hard and busy and all the extra things and the pressure we put on ourselves, so... Um, they've definitely been a lot better the last few years. Um, the first year you were sober with this three-year stint, I think you had already gone through a holiday Christmas season, hadn't you, that you were, when you were having yeah, a year? Yeah, you mean like you on were a prior attempt on a prior when you didn't attempt. make it? Yeah. yeah. I think there was one sober Christmas like seven years ago or something like that. Yeah. And then I know the first year was really hard, um, so three Christmases ago, but yeah, this this last couple of years have been like super duper. You've been real helpful and present. And I know that in the recently you'd started kind of helping more with Christmas shopping and cards and that sort of stuff. So it's been really helpful. And then this year you're kind of in charge of a lot of stuff, you know, cause you might bullying my you, way into Christmas. You're not bullying your way into Christmas. You know, you're just more willing to take on a role and plan. And, I mean, like with your family coming in from out of town, like we've been doing lots of planning. And I can imagine if there were alcohol still present in your life, that it probably, you wouldn't be giving it as much thought for sure. Um, But then there would have to be lots of, times for you to, you know, go into this cafe, you know, to a bar and grill and, you know, get a beer and make sure we go to places that, you know, so a lot have of it like with our planning and yeah. A lot of the planning would have been around what places do or do not have liquor licenses. Yeah. Yeah. And now I don't really think about it. And that. you'd be thinking, oh, my dad and my sister and brother-in-law and my mom, they'll all want a cocktail and that sort of stuff. But really it would be just a selfish reason that you'd probably want to yeah it yeah at least 80 percent selfish i'd say i mean certainly i do think about the fact that there are others in our family that like to have a beer with lunch Mm -hmm. but that's not the driving factor that me wanting to have a beer with lunch was Mm -hmm. absolutely that's true yeah one of the things that 
that's just really drastically different for me relates to presentation at the holidays. And this relates to certainly our family that's coming to town. You mentioned my parents, they come every year, but my sister and her whole family are coming this year as well. That's going to be a huge group. But not just them, it's it's friends, it's the neighborhood Christmas party or the work Christmas party that we have attended or, or are going to attend this holiday season. And when I was drinking, I was always worried about our, our presentation, either how we looked as a couple or certainly if people are coming to our house, I wanted everything neat and tidy and in its place. And now... What's one thing that's really interesting in permanent sobriety is I don't care. I don't care if there are half-finished gingerbread houses out on the dining room table, and I don't care if the tree is half-decorated or or there are other decorations that have, we haven't gotten to yet, or piles of mail or whatever. None of that bothers me anymore, and I don't think that that's like a maturity or an enlightening or. I don't think I, I've, I've changed so much as the person that I am. I mean, I guess you could argue that I've changed. But what's happened is I'm not trying to cover up for something else. So when when I was drinking, that presentation was always important to me because I knew that the people that were close enough to me in my life to, to be at our house or to attend a party with me were also going to see me drink and probably see me drink a lot. And that high-functioning alcoholic label that I always wanted to carry and and hide the truth from people the presentation of everything around my drinking besides my drinking was really important because I needed people to see an orderly house and a good relationship at least on the surface between you and I and um, you know all the other parts of our life to be in order so that if I did overdo it one night they wouldn't say oh that guy's an alcoholic they'd say oh Matt sure had fun last yeah. night. Yeah. Boy, he he hit it hard, you know, no big deal. Look at look at look at the rest of his life. He's got everything in order, so so that must just be a, a one time thing. And I feel like when that presentation used to be more important to me, that would put a lot of pressure on you too to do your part as far as decorating the house and not leaving crap laying around and smile when we go out together, things like that. Do you do you feel less pressure now? Yeah, I mean, part of it was exactly what you said, like as far as having this this appearance of everything put together and and looking nice to kind of cover up all the ugliness that was that was lurking. Also, I had I this is kind of funny, like when you drank, if you passed out in the chair downstairs, I could stay upstairs in the in the formal living room and get decorations done or presents wrapped and clean up the kitchen and work on stuff later in the night because you would wake up at like one or two in the morning on a weekend and be like, oh, now I need to go into bed and I'm kind of a night owl, so I could stay up and do those things. But I, I used that time, you know, because I knew that you didn't like the chaotic look because it was caused more anxiety for you too I think and also because I just had a lot more to do so I would kind of push myself to get things done as soon as that Christmas box got opened I needed to make sure it was empty out of the stuff I want and all the stuff I wanted was put back put up and the box was put away because then I knew I had like a lot of the other stuff the cards the presents the wrapping 
you know, yeah, the Christmas out Eve outfits for the kids to organize. And did you just say that when I fell asleep on a chair in the basement, passed out in a chair in the basement? You could work in the formal living room? Well, I don't know what you call it. Downstairs. It was more formal than downstairs. I mean, that was the clutter place, with toys. The place no, where our 15-year-old permanently keeps his school backpack. And, and soccer bag. There's always socks under the coffee table. Well, now it's kind of like I just pictured my grandparents' house with the plastic <laughs> over the furniture. You know, you weren't allowed in to that, do in that room. Like, was it the white and blue room? Over yeah. That had the big window. Yeah. Not that formal, but... Everybody walks into the front of the house, and I was like, your house is so clean. I'm like, because all the crap is in the downstairs living room. But yeah. not not necessarily formal living room. But. Talk a little bit about what happened. So last Saturday was Christmas tree day for us, and we are the dorky Griswold family. We get a permit from the National Forest Service, and we go out into the woods here in Colorado, and we find the least Charlie Brown looking tree of the many many Charlie Brown looking trees naturally growing in the woods and we cut it down and bring it back and we stop for chili lunch at the volunteer fire station on the edge of the forest we make a whole big day out of it big doings tromping through the snow covered forest but when we got and we've done that for years and years and years the whole time I was drinking that we lived in Colorado we did it Mm -hmm. so it's not anything that's new in sobriety but and it's for me and I think you and I know for some of our kids, it's like the best day of the year. It's so much fun. But I've wrecked it plenty of times with my drinking or pursuit of drinking or hangover from the Friday night before the Saturday Christmas tree hunt. So when we got home on Saturday and we pulled into the driveway, talk about the range of emotions that you had because I think that's very interesting. We're Again, this is our third consecutive sober Christmas, so it's not like we've got 20 years of recovery under our belts. But we do have two in a row sober Christmases before this one. But here we are at number three, and what happened when we pulled into the driveway Saturday? Well, we you know, pulled in the driveway, went all the way down because the Christmas tree, we needed to come in through the front door. And um, you went ahead and went inside, and then I thought you were going to come and unlock the front door. Well, that didn't happen. And I knew you needed to get the tools and um, to saw it and measure and get the tree stand and stuff. But usually, like all this, like I saw you come down the driveway as I was going down the driveway to come in the back to unlock the front. Like for just a second, I like envisioned that you had a beer in your hand because. A lot of the times that's exactly the first thing you did was you got home and you like had a beer in your hand and you took a really long leisurely time to take care of getting the tree off and so it was just kind of weird that it just was like I imagined you coming down the holding a beer but I think you had the measuring tape or something you know or you just I don't know what you came inside to do because so many times that had happened but it was like a momentary panic that you had. Yeah, yeah, I guess panic is maybe a strong word, just kind of like a, what? You know, kind of weird feeling. Yeah. I think that's really interesting, and I think it's really important for people to understand. You know, being sober on a regular old Friday and Saturday night, I mean, I certainly drank through the week when I was a drinker. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But... Friday and Saturday night, I always drank, always, always, always drank, and I drank a lot on Friday and Saturday night. And it only takes a few months of sober Friday and Saturday nights before that new pattern starts to develop where 
I'm not drinking, I'm not anticipating drinking, I'm less depressed about not drinking, and you also know that I'm not drinking on Friday and Saturday nights. Because they're repetitive. Every seven days comes another Friday, and every seven days comes another Saturday. But what's really interesting is these holidays, the reason the holidays, one of the reasons the holidays are so difficult for people in sobriety is they only come once a year. So whereas you can get used to not drinking on the weekend within a month or two or three months, it takes two or three years to get used to not drinking, for instance, right when we come back from Christmas tree day and get to the house because that's something that I've only experienced one other time or two other times. This is only the third Christmas. And you might say, yeah, but it's over a thousand days since I had a drink. Yeah, but there's only three days that are exactly like that that I mm-hmm. haven't had a drink. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And so many people don't get that. And that's why the holiday times sneak up on people because they'll go to, let's say it's the office Christmas party. They go to it every year. They might be dreading it in sobriety as opposed to they they really enjoyed it when they were drinkers. But they go to this thing and they're like, yeah, I've been sober for two years now. This will be no big deal. But it's only the second time maybe that you've been sober at that particular event. And all these memories, that's just how our diabolical memory works. The memories of the the drinking at that particular event come rushing back. And the temptation strikes when you haven't had temptation for a drink for months maybe. And I, But the same is true for the spouse. You... We didn't talk one single time on Christmas tree day about drinking or not drinking, did we? I mean, it was just a normal... Yeah. But then we got to the point in the day where I normally would have rushed inside to get that first beer down. Yeah. And it wasn't... You said it wasn't a panic, but... It wasn't a panic. It was just a shock, sort of, like a, like, what? You know, and and I was almost shocked to myself that I even kind of thought that, too. Like, what? Why are you thinking that? That's not how it is. Well, you know, it's not. But, it's not, it but... Is, it is weird, because it was just like, this was what he does. He goes in, and he gets a beer, and maybe looks at the mail, and so he can drink one beer inside without maybe us necessarily noticing or paying attention, and then you had a second, you know, yeah, before you came out and started doing the tree. So... Remember when I used to do the rum and eggnog on Christmas tree day? Yeah. Yeah. That was some pretty thin-looking eggnog by the time I got done putting my rum in there. By, like, number three or four? Oof. Those things... Those things would hit you hard when there's just enough eggnog to cloud the, the, the rum. But, so I think, you know, another piece of this that plays right off of that is one of the reasons that the holidays are so difficult in active alcoholism the the behavior of the drinker certainly my behavior caused a lot of problems a lot of fights a lot of senseless arguments a lot of dirty looks just things weren't good you take that stress of the holidays then you add some family that you're not normally with during the regular everyday day-to-day and then you add the heavy drinking and bad stuff happens but there's another piece to it too there's this anticipation. When the holidays would start to creep up, I, I remember year after year after year, your mood would sour. And it wasn't, it definitely wasn't intentional. It wasn't necessarily like your surface level mood, but you had this 
worry and this trepidation just start to set in where you knew something was going to go wrong. You didn't know what it was going to be. You didn't know if it would be December 10th or December 24th or six times in between those two. But you became, and it's not your fault, so I don't want this to sound like a criticism, but you became kind of difficult to live with as the holidays would approach. And it wasn't just true for the holidays. If we were going to go on vacation in the summer, the days leading up to vacation would be, you'd be kind of tough to live with. And it was so counterintuitive to me because I'd be like, yay, we're going on vacation. Why aren't you excited? But you you would get this sense of impending doom. And lucky for you, I was consistent enough to pay that that worry off every single time. There was never a well, vacation or a holiday where... We had kids and I had to do all the packing and you would mow the yard and, you know, before vacation and drinking the whole time. It's vacation. I'm on vacation. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm sitting here doing all the packing and you're going to put like underwear and some t-shirts and bathing suit in your backpack and not worry about any of the other stuff and knowing that you would over drink a lot because it was vacation. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that first part is cover. I mean, yeah, there's more stress when you're getting ready for vacation because you're getting ready for vacation but but yeah i mean i knew that you you still do most of the packing and oh yeah but you're not you don't turn sour before vacation and there's certainly plenty to do at christmas time plenty of work for both of us and extra long hours of getting stuff done but you're in a great mood this this time around just knowing that you're not going to be a drunken asshole most of the time. I mean, well, I remember like one Christmas Eve. I'm not going to be a drunken asshole any of the time. Yeah, so, well, but I remember like one Christmas Eve, like, I don't remember, it was like we, our bakery, we donated bread for sandwiches, and our bakery is like a mile and a half away. It takes like six minutes to get there, and it was all boxed up, and I forgot it, because I had to work Christmas Eve. You forgot to bring the and donation. I forgot to bring the donation right. bread, and I was like, I'll go back and get it, and you got so mad... Yeah. At me about it. And then, because I was just like, it's a simple mistake. And I was just shocked that you were even remotely annoyed or upset. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you just, yeah, that was not a good Christmas Eve. Cause, oh, yeah. I mean, there are lots of. Because my apology wasn't sincere enough, which I've, I mean, it definitely wasn't sincere because I thought, my God, it was a little mistake and I can go back and get it and it'll be 15 minutes 20 if there's a lot of traffic round trip. So. so that's an example of where my behavior caused real legitimate problems at Christmas time. And a lot of other times, the anticipation of that behavior, you didn't know what it was that I was going to be nasty about, would just kind of suck the joy out of the whole thing for you. Right. That sucks, man. And the other... The flip side of this, there's so many things about alcohol abuse and alcoholism where, you know, the, I hate this analogy or cliche, but the sword has two sharp edges, right? Like, you know, the one that most people are, who, who've battled this for a little while are pretty familiar with is we get depressed or we get anxious and then we drink and the depression or anxiety goes away or the stress goes away when we drink. But the alcohol itself is what was causing the depression and anxiety. And the next day, that depression, anxiety, stress comes raging back. So 
the alcohol is both the cure and the cause of the stress and anxiety. The same holds true for what we're talking about here. When you would anticipate my bad behavior at the holidays and it would suck the joy out of the whole season for you and then you'd kind of sour and walk around on eggshells waiting for whatever bad thing was going to happen to happen, that would really bother me. And, you know, I'd say, gosh, why is my wife so grumpy? And then what do you think a drinker does when something like that happens? They drink more, right? So your your scary or scared anticipation of what I was going to do would, in essence, cause me to drink more and just behave even more badly. So it's like this, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing, but it's it's also a, a cycle that we get in, like so many, so many, so many things with alcohol abuse and alcoholism. The cycle never ends. We, we drink to medicate, and the medication causes the problem that we were drinking to medicate. So what what's it... I mean, I guess you've kind of answered this, but what's it like just in general, just on a on a Tuesday in the middle of December that we don't have Christmas isn't right here upon us. It's it's December, but but it's not like Christmas morning is tomorrow. Do you just feel more because you seem more relaxed? Do you feel more relaxed or more calm or more confident that all the things that need to get done will get done and anything that doesn't get done, well, that's okay too? Like yeah. You just seem in a great mood. Yeah, but then, like, we were discussing um, Christmas decorations. And, you know, it's kind of funny because you think you're so busy when the kids are little. and But they don't have all of these other things to go to. And, like, our daughter has a friend's family ugly sweater Christmas party coming up on Saturday. So, like, you know, that wouldn't have happened when she was four or five. You right. know, so I feel like we just got and a lot volleyball more. banquet and, for yeah. high school volleyball uh, yeah. we went to this week. Yeah, and you know, so <laughs> it's like these little things that kind of pop up and keep us from putting up the decorations. Um, and then you made mention like, well, why don't you just do like a snowman or winter scene on that one area because then you won't have to take it down right away. So not only am I feeling more comfortable that because over the years with your in your sobriety you haven't cared about the mess and the tornado look at the house and I you've learned to love it because it's lived in and we live here and we take up all the this house and but you also are coming up with like good solutions like because you know that even after the holidays we're gonna be just as busy nearly I mean yeah. we don't really have much sports going on right now with the other two but still there's gonna be band and piano and yeah kids keep you busy as they get older you know, for sure so it's like you're also being helpful in creating solutions so instead of doing this big like christmasy theme i'm gonna do like a winter theme because then it can stay up for a few months so it's like you're not only being more relaxed and making me more relaxed but you're also you know being helpful and insightful and more so than just physically like doing the cards but you Go know. ahead and call it what you want to call it, Sherry. Okay, um, interior design. Oh, oh. No, that isn't what I meant. Oh. I thought, because you ca- said earlier that I was a drunk asshole, oh. I thought you were going to say that now I'm the anti-asshole. I'll take that title. That sounds good. Okay, well, I I would just say you're you're being a nice guy. You're being a nice yes, husband. Yes, an anti-asshole. That's what yeah. a nice guy is. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
I, I think these are all just really important aspects of this disease to recognize, especially as we go into recovery. And it's important to recognize that all of this stuff comes slowly. It doesn't, this Christmas, it's our third Christmas in recovery, and it's way better than last year, I think, and way, way better than two years ago. Yeah, there was a lot of... Well, I just remember two years ago was the first time we did Christmas in the park, too. And I think you and I, because of, like, the pressure of your family being here and still kind of coming in that realization that you still need to put on this good show, and yeah, I was you, sure were, you were definitely stressed, show. and you were... You were still really on edge to the point when I made mention, like, can you just not play the Christmas music so loud of Trans-Siberian Orchestra because it's just loud on your mom. You got, like, really upset that I was trying to, like, dominate your whole Christmas morning. Yeah. And we went down there, and we were not happy. Yeah. Sobriety doesn't make you not an asshole. It's got to be something else. But, I mean, and it was just anxiety. and and Yeah. And all, you know, and all I was just trying to say was it was just, it's because it's very instrumental and your mom has a hearing problem. So I thought it'd be nice to be playing something a little calmer. So, yeah. yeah, So, but I mean, I think that was just the pressure and the anxiety and also because you feel like you had to to prove to your parents that you were still doing well and you weren't struggling. Even though I was struggling more than probably at any other time in my life. Right. Because sobriety is a lot harder than alcohol. Alcoholism's I don't want to make light of it, but it's kind of easy once you're good at it. Yeah. I mean, it causes awful turmoil and lots of bad stuff, but you get used to managing that. And really, sobriety is way harder than, uh, than any of that. So, yeah. And so year one in sobriety was better. Year two was better than that. Year three, this is great. I mean, I feel really relaxed and Yeah, we still confident. haven't gotten all of our Christmas or winter scenes. <laughs> yeah. It's still in boxes all over the place. I did kind of go crazy yesterday, but I liked that you were helpful. And you were like, oh, she normally puts the cards on the door, so can I hang those up? And Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It does, there just doesn't seem to be pressure now. And Again, I think it goes back to the very first point we made. When you're not worried about the presentation... For others, you're not worried about neighbors coming over and your family coming over and seeing your house in disarray. If you don't, if that doesn't bother you, then it's really hard to get stressed about it. Even if we're still decorating on December 24th, just so we can take it all down a week later, or not not this year because it's going to be snowmen and pine trees. That's good. <laughs> That's less. That doesn't have to come down till March, so that'll be good. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I think, you know, I think the point that we want to leave our listeners with is everything gets elevated at the holidays. Stress, but also excitement. It's an exciting time. It's, it should be a joyful time. It, it often isn't, despite people's best intention. But whether they actually reach a feeling of joy or not, the excitement, the anticipation of joy is there. And unfortunately... I think a lot of people feel, and this drinkers or non-drinkers, feel this expectation of perfection. And one of the reasons that so many people don't stay sober during the holidays is because all of that builds, and these are all feelings that we have trained ourselves as drinkers, 
to medicate with alcohol. So stress levels up, gosh, I want to drink more. I'm excited about something. I mean, all of us started drinking as a form of celebration, surrounding a sporting event or partying with our neighbors or whatever. Or the fun Christmas cocktails. Yeah, yeah. So so whether it's stress management or it's just the excitement that surrounds the holiday, all of this stuff we've, you know, in my case, I spent 25 years training myself to drink when I felt those feelings. And it makes sobriety so much harder. There's also the social aspect. We see so many more people typically during December than we do other times of the year. We see them in in social settings. So even people that we work with five days a week, all of a sudden now we're having the office Christmas party and there's cocktails and you see them in a different light. And certainly I know in our case there are neighbors that we we just don't see all that often, but we certainly see at Christmas time and 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 then uh, family comes in from out of town. So so there's these the excitement and the stress is driving us to drink, but also the uh, the social aspect and staying sober through all of that is really, really, really hard. It's not. I mean, I don't. It's not hard for me now in year three, but year one it was really, really hard, and year two sober it was pretty hard. And I feel like you and I have kind of come over some kind of a hump to the point where it's just not on the radar anymore. And that's a really good feeling. I mean, other than the fact that you thought on Christmas tree day I came in to get a beer. And I know you didn't really think that, but that popped into your mind for a second. Yeah, I think it was just the you walking down the driveway and our driveway's not on the sunny side. It's kind of shady and you know, just like the memories of, yep, he had to go in and get a beer. Yeah. It'll take us two hours to get the tree up because he had to have another one while he looked through the mail and, you know. But other than that moment, it's been a alcohol-free Christmas season so far in two ways. Not just, I'm actually not drinking the alcohol, but we're also not thinking about it and mm-hmm. pining for it and stressing about it and thinking about regrets from it there's we've got enough i am like cliche man today we've got enough water under the bridge (laughs) so that the the alcohol is not on the front of either of our minds whereas Mm -hmm. in the past even when not drinking the alcohol was definitely in the front of our mind Mm -hmm. the last point i want to make is a lot of people say oh I'll, i'll quit drinking in january i don't want to quit during the holidays it's too hard it's too hard for the reasons i said for the excitement for the stress for the social events. Or even just to, like, if you don't have good memories of, yes. you know, the kind of the blue Christmas sort a of. A lot of people have sad memories you know, of. or the loss of family. Absolutely. Somebody's not there that you wish was there. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really good point. So that's another reason that people would drink is to manage their depression and their, their mourning and sadness. But so for all these reasons, people look at the holidays as this is a terrible time. To, to try to be sober or maybe they if they started in sober in the summer a lot of people let themselves off the hook and say well I'm just going to drink in December because it's too hard not to and I'll pick it back up in January but I'm here to say that's a that's a terrible idea because if you can stay sober in December that's a that's an accomplishment yeah I think anywhere from like even Halloween because you know you've got For the sure. fall like Lots of people like have lots of Halloween and Thanksgiving. You're again yep. around family. 
But I think Christmas, yeah, like December, if you're... And then New Year's, you know, too. And New Year's, yeah. I think if you can... I mean, I'm not an alcoholic, but if you can do that, I think then you've just proven yourself. You've gotten through some of the toughest times you'll probably ever, like, put yourself in, right? Like, Yeah, and, and think what's next, right? January. So you've got a choice. If you're sitting here right now and you're thinking... Let's say you quit drinking in September. Gosh, I, I made it through Halloween. I made it through Thanksgiving. But this is just going to be too hard. I'm going to give myself a free pass for two weeks to drink for the rest of the Christmas season or, or, or New Year's. You're going to enter January with debilitating depression and regret and shame. Oh, overwhelming shame for your behavior for those two or three weeks at the end of December. And... But if you muscle through and it takes everything you've got to get through and you've got to avoid social settings and that, that neighborhood Christmas party that you go to every year, you got to make up an excuse to not go this year. And you've got to set expectations with family. Look, yeah, we'll see you on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but here's the deal. I'm not drinking. I need you not to be pushing me about that. That's hard. That is hard stuff to do. But if you do that and you get to January, the cold dark, lonely month of January, and you've just made it through this trifecta, or I guess four really, holidays from Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's sober, you're going to have this huge sense of accomplishment, this huge feeling of momentum, too, to carry you into the New Year. So that free pass, I mean, that's really dangerous to, to let yourself give in because there's no telling what's going to happen in January if you do that. The flip side of that, if you stay sober through the holidays, there's a really good chance that you're setting yourself up for success in January and February when it's just cold, dark, and lonely. So everyone says the holidays are never a good time to quit. I'm here to say they're the best time to quit. And if you've already quit, they're the best time to keep going, keep going, just plug through. And even if it's your second sober Christmas it's still not going to be perfect I don't think it is You might it might take till your third or your fourth and if you're the spouse of someone in recovery and you're saying gosh he hasn't drank for a year and a half and here we are still tense and on the verge of argument in December that's okay it, it takes more than a year and a half it might take two or three years but you'll get to the point where it's just not even on the radar anymore and it feels really good don't you think it feels really good? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping that our Christmas tree would get decorated that Saturday a little bit more than it did. I think that's why we have the tradition of not decorating it until Sunday, and you would just do the lights because that's about all your alcoholic brain could have handled at that Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> but but still. Still, uh, it finally got decorated last night. Yeah. Well, it's... It's exhausting to trudge oh. through the snow in the woods and, yeah. and then, chili at a firehouse and and then that's all it takes a lot of effort. Put up a nativity scene for the church. Yeah, I mean Christmas pageant. Yeah. We were tired. Yeah. But the good news is but it's not I stressful or I yeah, don't think about I don't it. Care. You seem to care a little, but not a lot. You seem to be a a little yeah. bit like, yeah, it's finally decorated. Yeah, well, because it was just a mess. That's okay. But the good news is this stressful period, we aren't adding to the stress by you having 
worried anticipation of what I'm going to do and me being frustrated by your worried anticipation. There's just none of that, Mm -hmm. which is really, really fabulous. And it's out there. It's out there for anyone who's got the patience and does the work, puts in the work to change their lives and get to this point. You just got to want it and you got to be willing to work and wait for it. Yeah, but worth it. Well, thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast Holiday Edition. Sherry, thanks for spending some time talking about this stuff with me. You're welcome. All right, for my Untoxicated Podcast partner, Sherry, my name is Matt, and we thank you for listening. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.